On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Goodyear introduces a new tire that's specifically aimed at electric cars, Elon Musk drops a few little updates regarding car software on Twitter, Tesla puts their semi-trucks to the test, and more. Welcome, friends. It is Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, episode number 136 for March 11th, 2018. I'm Ryan McCaffrey. To my left is the sleeping peacefully puppy over there, Daisy the Boxer. And uh, it's been a very steady week of Tesla news, pretty much as usual. It was thought it might be kind of slow, but it ended up being a rather steady week. Elon Musk was active on Twitter this week, which he, you know, he kind of goes hot and cold with it. But not a lot of his tweets were Tesla-related. I will uh, update you on what he did say about Tesla on Twitter in a minute. But uh, but first, I, I wanted to tell you that I keep tweeting him. I am trying. I keep tweeting Elon Musk to try and get an update on both Model 3 performance version and what's going on with smart air suspension. No luck yet. Uh, I've tried my... I've told you my strategy is, well, that I've had success with anyway, even though it's still kind of a needle in a haystack, but the way to best improve your odds of getting him to notice and perhaps respond to your tweet is to wait until he's just tweeted so that you know that he's probably still online and there's a decent chance he might look at his mentions and see your tweet and maybe reply to you. But no such luck for me this week. I will keep at it. First up in the news this week, Goodyear, of course, the long-running tire company, they have announced a new tire specifically aimed at the electric vehicle market, which is rather interesting. Uh, unfortunately, this the electric story on this didn't identify the name of the Goodyear representative that I'm going to ha- uh, have tell you about it here, nor did the video that was posted either. But regardless, I figured it would be less be best rather to let a Goodyear rep explain it to you directly. So here is a gentleman from Goodyear to explain the benefits, or at least the the goals of this tire as stated by the company. So there you go. There's a lot to like there. They would almost certainly make this in Model 3 sizes, given the fact that the Model 3 is fairly soon going to be the largest fleet of single model EVs in the world. In other words, uh, the just the, the largest single model of an electric car is going to be Model 3. Currently, the Nissan Leaf, not the Model S, holds that distinction. The Leaf has sold over 300,000 worldwide uh, in its lifetime, followed by the Model S. Now, the only question mark that I would have about this tire, if it's as good as Goodyear says it is, would be the cost. I'd be curious what its cost is going to be versus that of replacing a regular tire sooner. So, you know, it, it's definitely a math equation here. Is it is does if it's twice as much, does it last as long as two sets of of non-Goodyear electric vehicle tires? That is the question to ask. So I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye on this one. 
but thank you to Electrek for posting that. That's uh, definitely an interesting story coming out this week. Uh, hopefully, it is as good as Goodyear advertises, and uh, we can look for cars that, or tires rather, that won't penalize us for, uh, for let's say, enjoying some of the perks of an electric vehicle. <coughs> Lots of torque. <clears throat> ah, pardon me. Sorry about that. <laughs> Next up this week, Elon Musk uh, did take to Twitter, as I mentioned at the top a few minutes ago, and some of his tweets were Tesla-related. He had some some SpaceX tweets and uh, some interesting Boring Company tweets. He's going to be redirecting his efforts at the Boring Company to focus on on transportation for people uh, rather than cars themselves. So that's that should be an interesting. I mean, uh, there's there's already the the one Boring Company project underway uh, in for the Hyperloop specifically, and that's that's that will also be the other half of the Boring Company's new focus. It's pedestrian uh, access via these sort of Jetsons-like pods and Hyperloop. So a bit you know a bit, a bit of a larger scale there as well. So there's already the the Hyperloop project that's uh, underway. The dig is going on between Baltimore and D.C. So. We'll see how that moves going forward. But with regard to Tesla, Elon answered a few things. Someone asked him, they said, quote, please fix routing for heavy traffic, referring, of course, to the navigation software within the Teslas. This person says, we would have missed the theater last night if not for Darling Wife using Google Maps on the phone. Elon Musk replied to this and simply said, almost done. So we can look for a very big navigation update you know, that's been teased before by Elon. So we're looking for a big navigation update. If he says almost done, even when you're factoring in, you're adjusting for Elon time on that, I would suspect that may be coming in the next month or two. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of, I don't know if pressure is the right word, but a lot of incentive for Tesla's software team to get some major, major features done as the Model 3 really rolls out in, uh, in great numbers. Now, someone followed that tweet up asking, quote, can we fix the dodgy media streaming of tune-in stations soon as well? Pretty please. Elon replying, yeah, that should improve soon. Software team has been buried in Model 3 bring-up and tricky bug fixes, but that's mostly done now, end quote. I have to say, I noticed that. I, I, I was a victim of it when I was driving the Model 3 the last time uh, recently, it was just dropping the audio for the the quickest of moments, just on the streaming audio. It would just cut out for a, a, a an eyelash, just a blink of an eye, but it was enough to be noticeable and annoying. So I'm glad to hear from Elon that this is being addressed. The thread continued with someone saying to Elon, quote, while you're there, the other thing is a feature request. Option when parked, to auto-open the sunroof to the vent position on hot days. Separate but related request, always auto-close the sunroof when rain is detected, just like a good automatic skylight in a house can do today. To which Elon said, quote, good points will add to the feature list. So Elon obviously referring to the Model S there, as neither the Model X nor the Model 3 have sunroofs, that open. You know, you've got the all glass roof, of course, on the Model 3, and the Model X has Falcon wing doors and the giant windshield up front, none of which open up while the car is in motion. Uh, the, this made me, this reminded me of, again, my drive from the, the my most recent Model 3 drive. So I, I thought of something that, man, I would love to bring to Elon's attention if I am able to get his attention on Twitter again sometime. And I was, so I was driving the car, I was driving the Model 3, and I asked the owner about his autopilot follow distance setting because I had engaged autopilot. And I was like, yeah, what, what's your follow distance set to? And he told me two. Uh, and we were doing highway speeds. And it made me think, you know, I think for me, I would really love to have autopilot uh, set so that there could be two autopilot follow distance settings. One that's for under 30 miles an hour and another one that's for higher speeds. 
And for the under 30 miles an hour one where it's, you know, it's slow traffic, that I'd love to set to two so that the car is following fairly close behind the car in front of it because you guys know how traffic works. I don't know how it works in your area, but here in the Bay Area, it's pretty cutthroat. If you leave too much of a gap, you're just never going to get where you're going to go because people will always be cutting in front of you. It's not quite L.A. brutal, but it's uh, it's not pretty up here. And then over, you know, at higher speeds for just cruising on the freeway on autopilot, I would love to set that follow distance to much much longer, much higher, uh, to a, the, there's a six or seven setting would be great so that, you know, I'm leaving plenty of room in case anything happens up ahead. I would really not like to have the car have to react super suddenly to that. So, you know, I, it's to me, it, I'm not an engineer obviously, but it seems like something that Tesla could totally add if they wanted to. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'd be curious if anybody, agrees with me on that, particularly the existing Tesla owners that do use autopilot on a regular basis as it is now in their S's, X's, and 3's. Let me know. Reach out. Next up this week, Tesla is giving their pair of prototype semi-trucks a public test run. The two functioning prototypes, if you did not hear, they're hauling battery packs from the Gigafactory, which of course means their Model 3 battery packs because the Gigafactory is only making Model 3 battery packs. The S and X packs uh, come in, at least the cells come in from Japan, and then I think they're assembled in Fremont. Anyway, uh, the so they're, they're being hauled from the Gigafactory in Reno down to the Tesla factory in Fremont, and according to Google Maps, that is about a 260-mile run each way. Now, the semis are pretty hard to miss, so they were photographed. There was some video taken of them. They stopped at a supercharger in Vacaville up here, uh, sort of northeast, sort of up near Sacramento, kind of uh, 130-something miles from the, the Tesla factory, presumably, I would think, to gather data uh, rather than because they actually needed to charge because, if you recall, those semis are packing 500-mile range battery packs, and that's supposed to be 500-mile range under or with a full load in tow. So uh, if now it's entirely possible that these prototypes don't have a battery pack that large, that they're something smaller just to just as a test case to th make sure that everything works and that it'll be the production versions that have the, the full 500-mile range pack. But in any case, it was cool to see pictures of them out and about and on the road. And I'll tell you, speaking of, uh, of prototypes, not that this matters for anything at all, but just, I don't know, the uh, kind of a, I guess I, I went with a word association thing here uh, unconsciously, and it made me think of the Model 3 prototypes now that, we're here two years later, after the reveal from March 31st, 2016. I would be genuinely curious what the specifications on the Model 3 prototypes were. You know, there were two functioning prototypes that we knew of, the matte black car and then the silver car, the one that had the white interior that was sort of more, um, arguably more the more finished of the two prototypes. So, you know, what... I wonder what size battery pack the prototype Model 3s had in them. Were they dual motor cars, uh, etc.? And and I also wonder where are those two cars now? There's no way they could possibly be destroyed. I mean, one of them has a an insane, awesome ten thousand dollars silver paint job, and the other one has a one of a kind matte black paint job, at least by one-of-a-kind, I mean one-of-a-kind for Tesla, because they've never uh, they've never officially produced a car that has a, a matte paint job. But, um, but fun fact on that note, too, by the way, as my brain continues to just go <laughs> string, <laughs> just go, uh, you know, just from one random thought to another stream of consciousness, you know, when you think about it, those are the only two Model 3s ever made, at least that we know of, 
that don't have Autopilot 2 hardware on them. They have Autopilot 1 cameras. And who knows if they actually even work. They might have just, they could very well uh, have been there for show. Or In fact, I guess, I don't even know for sure if they had Autopilot cameras in them. Anyway, they're definitely still (laughs) the only two Model 3s ever made that don't have uh, Autopilot 2 hardware on them. Next up this week, Tesla is making it easier for Tesla owners to access crash data from the car's onboard event data recorder, better known colloquially as a black box. So you can now access this event data recorder further from here, heretofore known as the EDR, with a uh, CAN, a CAN USB adapter. And you need uh, the retrieval harness and free software. Now, you won't get autopilot data if you happen to be involved in an accident with autopilot turned on. Tesla doesn't doesn't put that in a a customer-facing way. Nor will you get any autopilot camera images. Still, I think this is great. I mean, hopefully none of us, nobody listening, not me, none of us ever need it. But I tell you, if... If you need to get conclusive data to your insurance company in support of a claim that you've made, uh, this should really help back up your claim. And hopefully the next step is turning those autopilot cameras into dash cams, as Elon has previously mentioned a couple of times on Twitter, including one of those was fairly recent. So good to see Tesla continue to be uh, on the on the leading edge of safety and security with their cars. Some good news that I'm more than happy to pass along this week, thanks to Patrick from Utah, who sent me continual updates throughout the week on Utah Bill HB0369, a.k.a. the Tesla Bill. That bill passed and is now awaiting the governor's signature, that's Utah Governor Gary Herbert. So uh, HB0369 passed the House unanimously. That's a 71 to nothing vote and was sent over to the Senate where it had a reading and then it passed the Senate with a couple of amendments, 26 to 1. And then the Salt Lake City Tribune reported, uh, this was on Thursday when I checked this, that the bill will now return to the House to allow the representatives to concur with minor amendments. That happened, it passed again, and now it is awaiting signature from Utah Governor Gary Herbert. That is absolutely fantastic news. So I want to say thank you to all of the Utahns, and uh, that I learned today that that is, in fact, the correct term, Utahns. Thank you, Andrew, for setting me straight on that. For, to those of you who did reach out to your, uh, to your constituents there in Utah, that is just great to see the, uh, that your voices were heard and that, and that your representatives actually listened to the will of the people. That is great. In fact, Tesla issued a statement on this saying, the legislation passed today will allow consumers the right to buy new Tesla cars and energy products directly. In the state of Utah, we are appreciative of Representative Coleman and Senator Bramble's leadership in crafting legislation that both Tesla and the Utah Automobile Dealers Association could support. This is proof that allowing Tesla to sell its products directly does not conflict with the business of existing dealerships. We look forward to growing our presence and adding good jobs in the years ahead. So great stuff, great news there in Utah. Hopefully more states will follow suit very, very soon. Before we move on to the Ride the Lightning hotline for this week, I have a real dumb story to pass along. Uh, It is ultimately, um, I don't want to call it meaningless, but let's say it's a little hollow in the end, but it's, it's nevertheless of interest simply because it just reminds us all of of how not to be. Uh, so this comes via Jalopnik, and they they reported that a Grammy-nominated producer claims that he successfully got a traffic ticket dismissed 
by arguing that his Tesla Model S was operating in the car's semi-autonomous autopilot mode at the time he was pulled over in Los Angeles. But a spokesperson for the Los Angeles court system says the case was dismissed because the responding police officer didn't show up. Uh, Speaking to entertainment news site The Blast, which I'm not familiar with, Joseph Morad, also known as DJ Calypso, that's the driver in question here, he claimed that he was driving on the 101 freeway in Southern California in his Model S when he was pulled over by California Highway Patrol. A clip of the incident shows Morad driving past a patrolman on a motorcycle while his feet hang out the window. That would be Morad's, not the police officer's, obviously. And uh, the blast also saying that DJ Clipso, who was filming himself on his cell phone while the car was moving, which, by the way, is against the law. You cannot use your cell phone in the car here in California, except uh, at least not unless it's hands-free, was cited for operating a cell phone while driving, as, as he should be, and also driving at unsafe speed for traffic conditions. So, uh... This, this is, you can't get too mad because it's just too ridiculous to do so, but, you know, this guy, this DJ, he had been claiming, as I said, that he beat the ticket by showing the judge proof that he'd purchased the full self-driving option and thus the car was doing the driving before, before of course, the L.A. court system stepped in and said, actually, no, the 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 officer who issued the citation just didn't show up and therefore it's dismissed. This whole thing is silly because even if the car was fully self-driving, which obviously doesn't exist yet, Morad would still be responsible for the car even if it was driving at an unsafe speed. And second, judges aren't idiots. <laughs> we all know this. No judge in his or her right mind would ever buy that defense. It's ridiculous. To me, it sounds like this guy was just looking for some publicity, uh, hence the the dangerous stunt in the first place, quite frankly. And, you know, I hate to say it, but I suppose it worked because it got written up by a bunch of automotive news sites, and I'm talking about it here on Ride the Lightning. So I think the the takeaway I want to I wanna get from this for all of us is Let's all be better than this, shall we, folks? Let's not do stuff like that. Let's uh, let's let's be ki- kind and respectful and uh, compassionate towards each other, and not do dangerous things in five thousand pound cars that can that are giant weapons potentially. Oh my goodness! <laughs> anyway. I'm going to move on now to the Ride the Lightning hotline, as usual. Got a a good handful of outstanding calls queued up from all of you guys. Great questions, comments, discussion topics. I'll get to those. Actually, no, wait, I'm sorry. I did want to mention one more thing that came in late just before I went to record this week. Our friend Joe Edgel from Emotion Rentals sent in an email that he received from Tesla that said, uh, last month, the federal tax credit for residential charging equipment installation was extended by Congress. If you installed charging equipment at your primary residence on or before December 31st, 2017, you may be eligible for a credit of up to $1,000. Please consult your tax professional to determine if you qualify for this credit. To learn more, see uh, additional details at the link. And uh, when I go to the link here, it just it's... It's the U.S. Department of Energy website, and it does note, it says, this incentive originally expired on December 31st, 2016, but was retroactively extended through December 31st, 2017 by public law 115-123. So if you uh, either acquired a Tesla in 2017, and more specifically, you installed charging at your primary residence for that, or... If you happened, you know, expecting your Tesla in 2018, if you happen to put in a charging solution in your primary residence in 2017, in a, you know, in anticipation of the car in 2018, please look into this. You might be able to get yourself a $1,000 or at least an up to $1,000 credit. So thank you, Joe, for passing that along. And I am more than happy 
to relay the word on that. All right, be right back right after this with the Ride the Lightning Hotline. Time for your calls on the Ride the Lightning Hotline. I encourage you, of course, each and every week, Drop me a line. Let's talk a little Tesla. Your questions, your comments, your discussion topics. You can reach me a couple of different ways here for the hotline. You can use your smartphone's built-in voice recorder to record something right there and email that file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com. Or you can call in and leave a message anytime, day or night, on the Ride the Lightning hotline. It's a toll-free number you dial in for that, and that number is one 1- 888-989-8752. That's 1-888-989-TSLA. And of course, if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Please visit lifeonrecord.com if you'd like to learn more. I kick it off this week with our friend DJ in North Central Ohio with a bit of a correction slash myth dispelling. So DJ, take it away. Hey Ryan, DJ in North Central Ohio here. Uh, I wanted to call, I'm a little behind on the podcast, but sorry about that. Uh, Regarding two weeks ago, um, I needed to dispel a myth uh, that I keep seeing and it's kind of annoying. Um, And that's that uh, Model S and Model X don't have blind spot detection. Um, These cars absolutely have blind spot detection. It's just not the blind spot detection that everyone is used to or expects, maybe. Uh, But on your binnacle, uh, if you look and there's a car in your blind spot, you will see a gray, yellow, or red halo uh, emanating from the corner of the car where the car is in your blind spot. Obviously, the color determined is... uh, telling you how close that car is to you. Uh, and that is actually used in autopilot as well. If you attempt to change lanes and someone's in that blind spot, uh, you will not change lanes. Uh, I, I do know that firsthand because I have messed around with it a little bit, but obviously gripped hands on the wheel. But anyhow, just wanted to throw that out there. Um, it's a myth that needs to stop perpetuating, and these cars do absolutely have blind spot detection on it. It's just not the same blind spot detection that everyone might be used to. Thanks again for the podcast. Have a good one. You are correct, DJ. I think where my criticism of it comes in, and and honestly, I think it's fair criticism, is that what's there is not as useful to the driver as a mirror-based solution the way that most cars have is. I, I just think Tesla's current solution is just less than adequate, particularly for the leading-edge technology that these, these cars have and pride themselves on, and the safety factor that these cars pride themselves on. I, I'd even throw out another suggestion, though. Maybe if, if you take the current system, maybe if there could be a chime that goes off, if you have your signal on and there's another car there that, that could warn you to not make that lane change without having to look at either your instrument cluster straight ahead of you or uh, having to look, if you're in a Model 3, on the, the left-hand side of that uh, of that center mounted touchscreen, but um, you know, I guess <laughs> that's not going to help you if you decide to change lanes without signaling. But yeah, I mean, people shouldn't change lanes <laughs> without signaling. But we all live in the real world, and we know that's not how the real world works. But your point is taken, though, DJ. Thank you so much for calling in. As always, I always appreciate when you chime in. Let me go now to Greg in L.A., who wants to chime in on the discussion about the size of the Model Y that we started last week. Greg, go ahead. Hey, Ryan. This is Greg from Los Angeles. Just wanted to call in regards to a caller that called last week around minute 36, uh, asking about the size of the Model Y. And uh, you had mentioned that you thought it might be between the size of the S and the 3. but Based on um, a few conference calls ago with Elon Musk, he had mentioned that um, the Model Y will actually be on the Model 3 chassis because he had initially mentioned that it would probably be a different um, platform, but I guess uh, 
other high up executives in the company let them know that uh, it would definitely be a better idea to put it on the Model 3 platform and then we'll be able to get it out to customers a lot faster and a lot cheaper. So, yeah, just wanted to clear that up. Um, thanks for the podcast. Really enjoy it every week and have a good one. You are correct, Greg. Good memory. Remember that the X was supposed to be on uh, the Model S chassis for the very same reasons that you're citing, but Tesla decided to build it on its own platform, and that certainly didn't help it get to market any quicker, as has been gone over by Elon in his many public, uh, let's call them mea culpas for for the, the hubris, design hubris involved in the Model X. Anyway, if the Y is closer to the Model 3 in size, then that's probably not going to be good news for that caller. Remember, it was an anonymous caller on that, and that's probably not going to be music to his ears, but you are indeed correct, Greg. Elon did say that, so thank you very much. Next up is Zachary in Chicago, who wanted to chime in with some Model 3 hands-on experience impressions. Zachary, you're on the air. Hi, Ryan. Um, My name is Zachary from Chicago. I enjoyed the show. I um, wanted to say I just had a test drive with the Model 3. I had such a high expectation, almost unrealistic, to be met before I drove the car. And once I drove the car, um, it was exceeded my expectations. I mean, the car is amazing, amazing handling, and I just loved it. And I wanted to note the lights at night are so good. It's almost like you see in a movie, not a real life. Um, that was my comment. Um, the car, I've been waiting for my car for two years and certainly it's worth the wait. Zachary, I am so glad to hear you say that. Hype is something that burns us all, especially in this day and age, right? Because so often we hear about a movie that everyone on the internet says is so amazing And then you see it, and a lot of times it doesn't live up to that hype, to those expectations. And You you can apply that to so many things. And we have all, uh, almost almost all of us, I think it's fair to say, obviously we've been so hyped up for the Model 3 for these last two years, some people are inevitably going to be disappointed. That's just human nature. But I'm very glad to hear that you loved it, and I hope that you get your Model 3 soon. Next up, Kenny from Newport News, Virginia. We've heard from Kenny before. Uh, he has a, a, if you'll humor me on a bit of a, it's a show question rather than a Tesla-specific question. Kenny, go ahead. Hey, Ryan, what's going on? This is Kenny calling in from Newport News, Virginia. Look, man, I had a question for you this week that, to tell you honestly, I've been a little afraid to ask, but... That question is, how does this all end? So I know the old adage goes, all good things must come to an end, but I really hope that happens later rather than sooner for your podcast. I love listening in every week, hearing new Tesla news, and hearing people tell stories about how they're enjoying their vehicles. But I got to thinking about this because another podcast that I used to listen to quite regularly, stop producing. The folks who hosted the show got their Model 3s and then just stopped producing. And I was hoping that that doesn't happen with you. You know, I look forward to hearing how you connect with other Model 3 owners and hearing stories about people for quite a long time. So... Anyway, I just had that question. Hopefully you can get back to me. Thanks. First of all, Kenny, thank you so much for those kind words. I really appreciate that. And I would be happy to address this. It This was asked on the Ask Me Anything that I recently did on my Patreon page as well. And, and Kenny, here's the honest answer to that. I am not going anywhere. Me finally getting my Model 3 when that day finally arrives, that's not the end of this. Not by a long shot. I see that, to me, that's the beginning. 
this is all the the preamble right now. This is all the uh, the preface to the book starting. You know, I uh, I I am dying. I for I've been daydreaming. I mean, you, you guys can understand. You've been listening to me long enough where you know I'm I'm a hardcore Tesla nerd. I'm a super fan, and I have been daydreaming on a regular basis about going on Tesla powered adventures on the weekends and and here and there. I, I I'm dying to do that stuff, and I want to to use those experiences when, when they, I do finally get to have them to help color the podcast and hopefully make it better than, than I hope you think it already is. And, you know, I, I've been dreaming about that stuff for years now. Why would I leave right when that day finally dawns? That is not going to happen. I want all of us to share our experiences on this podcast and share knowledge and aftermarket product tips all fun stories, all of that stuff, I think is super valuable and super fun. And it's because what I've learned in my time in the Tesla community, which is I've, I've said uh, a lot over, over the last few years of doing this podcast, it's, you know, right now I'm the kid at looking through the glass with his, you know, hands and face pressed up against the, cla- the glass, which just wishing to, to anybody who will listen that just, oh, I wish I could be on the inside. I wish I could be in there and be part of that. And pretty soon, I'm, I am going to finally get to be part of that. And so are you, and so are so many of us listening to this. And that's that's just going to be so much fun. That is going to be the dawn of a new fun chapter. And I think those experiences will will just make the podcast more fun for everybody when I can you know, talk about those kinds of adventures and again, the, the shared knowledge and the people I meet and the, any, you know, aftermarket products that might come around. You know, I, I do a little of that now at the end of the show with like, you know, abstract ocean and that stuff, but, but, you know, with, it's different when you're living it, you know? So, uh, I see my delivery day as again, sort of the end of that preface and on to chapter one and, and chapter one, it's going to be a long chapter, you know, that's, <laughs> I want it to be a long chapter, but I, you know, I have no intention of stopping this podcast. I mean, unless either it didn't become financially viable anymore, or, you know, you never know if I had some sort of life or work change that necessitated me stopping it, but I have no plans to stop doing it. I, I truly, I really love doing this and I, and I hope that comes through in the podcast. I really do. And this this tiny little pixel corner of the internet that we've carved out together with Ride the Lightning over the last gosh almost 3 years now it's it's gotten better in that time like this thing went from me just sort of throwing it out there and not quite knowing if anyone would care and and what the reaction would be to you know to what it is today to what you hear to you know the you, you, we look forward to those those quarterly earnings calls because we're gonna you know you know how I'm gonna dig into them and and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's it's fun. I just think it's gotten it's gotten more fun for me to do this podcast over over that time. Is it more work? Yes, that's part of what the Patreon's all about. But but ultimately, I have fun doing this. I love doing it, and I just can't wait until we all start getting our cars. And remember too, there are a lot of folks out there who are waiting for the standard battery model three and, or they live outside of North America. So, you know, I, I want to be here for them to help them manage their weight as that weight continues, as I have uh, been doing so far for not only my own sanity, but hopefully helping, helping you guys through it in my own little way as well. And, you know, I, I can't tell you why anybody else would stop doing their podcast. Cause I don't, I don't know those folks, but I can tell you that I started doing Ride the Lightning because I have just this intense burning passion for both Tesla and podcasting. I started podcasting in 2006 at my job uh, when I worked at Official Xbox Magazine and started KOXM, which those of you on the East Coast are going, what the heck does the K stand for? Uh, the, the K is, you know, you guys have radio stations that start with W. 
east of the Mississippi and west of the Mississippi, the radio stations all start with K. Go figure. I don't know why. Anyway, um, I had always loved radio and I never got to professionally explore that because I ended up getting into the magazine world and I'm very grateful for that. But the pot, you know, doing podcasts let me lets me kind of scratch that itch in my own. You know, it's an amateur thing. Obviously, I'm not. I'm not. A, I don't claim to be a professional. I'm a well practiced amateur at this point, having podcasted for goodness knows how many thousands of hours and and for twelve years. In fact, yeah, it's. Uh, I've been podcasting for twelve years because it was February two thousand six when I started doing that, doing the KOXM podcast. But and you figure I did just about 300 podcasts at OXM before I left to go to IGN and I've done almost 300 shows there actually now too plus the 100 and something 136 now episodes of Ride the Lightning plus the bonus episodes that live on Patreon gosh I must be coming up boy six, uh, six, seven. I guess, yeah, I've probably done 750 shows and meaning like that I hosted and done. So anyway, I'm not trying to, I don't mean to get off on a tangent listing my (laughs) podcast resume, but point being, my only regret with Ride the Lightning with this podcast is not starting it sooner. I wish I had started it sooner and started building this thing even sooner than I I did. Uh, I, I really, I... You know, because who's to say, who's to know, you know, maybe I, instead of where I'm going to be in a year, I could be there now, but that's neither here nor there. Um, I guess, well, (laughs) I do have one other little regret with this podcast, and that's the name. Ride the Lightning is, (laughs) it's too cute for its own good. I should have gone with something simpler for just for SEO purposes, so that when people Google Tesla podcast, that this is like the first thing that comes up. Uh, instead of like the second thing that comes up. Anyway, um, I'm I'm getting super long-winded talking about myself, and that's not what I want to do here. We want to get back to talking Tesla. So, Kenny, I hope that answers your question. And uh, rest is rest easy. I will be here for the foreseeable future. I want to be here, and I will be here. Three more calls for you this. Actually, no, I'm sorry. Four more calls this week. Next up is a uh, gentleman who hails from the Tesla subreddit, and he is replying to the comment from the gentleman from Porsche last week that I went over. So, uh, 110110, you are on the air. Hey, Ryan. Um, I haven't called in before, but um, I go by the user 110110 on the Tesla Motors subreddit, and uh, I wanted to make a comment about the, uh, the recent Porsche announcement in how uh, he stated that the Teslas are, uh, you know, limited after a couple runs. And I wanted to give you a reference to an electric article that uh, it's called, it was posted January 17th of last year, where it's uh, the title of the article is Tesla listens to customers and walks back all software performance reductions tied to frequent use of max power. Um, And I thought that He's probably referring to this and never knew that um, they undid this change. So that's all I wanted to say, and uh, you're doing a great job. Thanks a lot. This is a good point. Thank you for raising it. In my opinion, it still doesn't forgive uh, Porsche's ignorance on this topic. I mean, let's be honest. Is there anyone out there who doesn't think that Porsche has at least one P100D that they're running constantly and analyzing the heck out of? I mean, heck, they probably have one that they're doing road tests with, If I mean, if nothing else, to benchmark the Mission E against. And they probably have at least one other one that they've torn down to try and learn from, as we know other manufacturers do that with Tesla. I mean, the... The whole thing's a bit silly. I mean, I'm I'm quite willing to not talk about this anymore. I did think it was newsworthy. It was, you know, it's I don't bring up all these. Like this week there was a there was a billboard from uh Kia, I think it was, in Europe that was like t- sort of it's like your turn Elon and it was like such and such vehicle the first comp- compact electric electric SUV and it's like, yeah, you know, it's it is what it is, but, you know, Porsche kind of went out of their way to talk Tesla, and I, 
I just hope that Porsche thinks more carefully in the future if they choose to talk about Tesla again. You know, they just just get the facts right. That's all. Say whatever you want. Just get the facts right. But I mean, at, of course, as I counseled them last week, not that they're looking for my opinion, but I recommend that they just simply avoid talking about Tesla altogether. PR 101, focus on your product. Get people thinking and talking about your product, not the other guy's product. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's go next to Paul from Texas, who wanted to clarify something from last week's show. Paul being an owner, he has a much better perspective on this. So Paul, go ahead. Hey, Ryan, this is Paul in Texas. In an answer to the caller about do the brake lights come on during regen braking, they do and they don't. It depends on your setting. If you're in regen braking low, it feels more like engine braking when you take your foot off the accelerator, uh, like if you were driving a standard. And my brake lights don't come on when I do that. If it's in regen standard, and you take your foot off, the brake lights do come on, but at somewhere around like 30 kilowatts of regen power, I think the maximum is 60. And the brake lights will stay on until the car reaches about eight miles an hour, and then the brakes will release, and I'll just keep rolling forward because I have creep turned on. Uh, another time that the brake lights do come on uh, is during cruise control and autopilot. And I think most cars with automatic cruise control are like this. If somebody moves in front of you and the car has to slow down, whether or not it just does regen braking or whether it actually has to get on the friction brakes to slow you down, your brake lights do come on then as well. Anyway, thanks a lot. Bye. Paul, you are a Tesla owner currently, unlike me, and you have tested every possible facet of this as you excellently detailed in your call. So thank you for calling in to clarify this. I really do appreciate it. I This is one of those times where I have nothing else to add other than I guess I can relay uh, a, little, a little nugget and say that Teslas have always done this going back to the original Tesla Roadster because when I got to babysit Emotion Rentals Red Roadster. Uh, I was curious about that exact thing because I was driving around the streets of San Francisco in this car that was real low to the ground. And San Francisco, just like any other city, is flooded with SUVs. So you know you're sitting way down low, and I was thinking, you know what? Uh, are the brake lights coming on when I'm regening this car? Because if they're not, uh, that could be bad for me in this little thing. And sure enough, I I was able to verify that they are using, you know, watching for my reflection uh, in, you know, the rear view mirror in, in the bumpers of the cars behind me and using my garage or well, actually, I guess not the garage because I wasn't moving, but, you know, you're, you're able to and at nighttime, you can see it, too. That's a good way to test it and uh, to, to see it for yourself in motion, too. But anyway, thank you, Paul, very much for that. Two more calls. Here's Josh from Raleigh uh, asking about third-party parts in the event that your Tesla needs recording. This is an insur- uh, needs repairing, pardon me. This is an insurance question. Josh, go ahead. Hey, Ryan. This is Josh giving you a call from Raleigh again. Been a little while since I called in, but want to ask you about third-party parts and Tesla. I've recently configured my Model 3. It's right now on a train to the Alabama East Coast Distribution Center. Should be receiving in about a couple weeks, and now that I have the VIN... I've been out shopping for car insurance. And of course, that leads me to the Liberty Mutual program uh, that is exclusive with Tesla. I was on the phone with a rep, and he basically gave me this spiel about how Liberty Mutuals embedded themselves within Tesla, and they understand Teslas, and yada, 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 just a bunch of sales crap, basically. The only differentiator that the rep framed as an exclusive to the Tesla policy was the fact that if my Model 3 got into an accident, they would only use OEM parts. My question to you is, have you heard of any Tesla being fitted with third-party parts after an accident? My understanding was that in the past, at least, it's just been difficult enough getting the parts from Tesla, let alone some third party that is also manufacturing the same parts that can be put in the car. Appreciate all you do with the podcast. I never miss an episode. Thanks again. Bye. Well, you're absolutely right here, Josh. There are countless stories of people's repairs being held up for unacceptably long periods of time while they waited for parts to arrive from Tesla. In fact, 
If folks recall, because I did cover it here, it got so bad that John McNeil, who you may remember recently left Tesla, but was the head of sales and service for Tesla, went so far as to post on the Tesla Motors Club forums and he invited people who had long outstanding repair issues to direct message him so that he could get their concerns escalated and dealt with. This uh, a friend of mine, Michael from Milbrae, this actually happened to him. He was waiting on a hood for his Model X and he DM'd John on TMC and ended up, guess what? His hood happened soon after he got it taken care of. I mean, considering that literally everyone in North America uh, with Teslas has used insurance companies that are not directly affiliated with Tesla for the past five years since this whole Liberty Mutual Tesla insurance arrangement is brand new. I mean, heck, we could even call it 10 years if we want to factor in the 2,500 Tesla Roadsters that got made. Then I think I feel pretty good about saying that I think you would be just fine with another insurance company as far as those potential repairs go. Thank you for your call, Josh. I leave it now to Tom in Chicago to take us home. He's got a couple of questions. Hit me, Tom. Hey, Ryan. This is Tom from Chicago. I have two quick questions for you. One serious and the other one a little bit more fun. Uh, so firstly, I, unlike probably a lot of your listeners, don't have a uh, Model X, Model S, or even a Model 3 reservation. However, I may be, may be able to swing it now uh, financially for a Model 3. So my question is, if I get in the queue now, when do you think I could realistically expect delivery? base, fully loaded, or otherwise? Am I realistically looking at 2020 or maybe even 2019? Uh, the second question is, what movie, if any, would you expect or want to see the 2020 Roadster in a car chase scene? I was thinking it would be pretty fun to see it in like a James Bond movie or something like Fast and the Furious would be pretty cool, but uh, just curious what you, what you think or would like to see. Anyway, thanks for the podcast and your constant good vibes, man. Talk to you later. I'm happy to help here, Tom. For you and anyone who doesn't have a Model 3 reservation and is curious, if you go onto the Model 3 section of Tesla's website, which is simply tesla.com slash Model 3, it does give you a general estimate right there on that page, and it currently says, reserve your Model 3 today for delivery in 12 to 18 months. I would presume that that six-month flex time probably accounts for both possible production delays and also geographical disparities, meaning that if someone in, say, Brazil, who reserves the car now, they might get it in 18 months versus you in Chicago might get it in closer to 12. I'm not sure which configuration that you're particularly interested in, Tom, but I will, so, I will say remember that if, if you are ready to jump into a Tesla sooner, you could always look at a used Model S. I would encourage you to, to take a look into that, depending what your budget and what your, your needs and desires are for a Tesla. Otherwise, I my advice would be to try to financially plan for a 12-month wait, but mentally prepare yourself for an 18-month wait. Now, as to your second question, I am a big Batman fan, so I would love to see Bruce Wayne driving the next-gen Tesla Roadster in the upcoming Matt Reeves standalone Batman film that's, uh, you know, it had Ben Affleck attached to it, now it doesn't, and it looks, looks like it's going to be kind of a whole do-over now. But for a car chase, though, yeah, I would agree with you that a Bond movie does make the most sense, especially... If they recast James Bond soon, they can get him off the Aston Martins and into a Tesla Roadster because uh, that 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 scenario does appear to be looks like it's happening soon. Since Daniel Craig has repeatedly stated that that he's pretty fed up and done with the role, uh, you know that that way the new Bond, whoever it is, could be greener and cooler at the same time. That would be a good thing. Thank you very much, Tom, and thank you to everybody who called in on the Ride the Lightning hotline. Again, if you'd like to drop me a line and be heard on an upcoming show, 
Please send me your question in recorded audio form. Try to keep it to about 60 to 90 seconds or so. You can either use your smartphone's built-in voice memo recorder to record something and then email that file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com, or you can dial in toll-free anytime, day or night, on the Ride the Lightning hotline. That number, again, is 1-888-989-8752. Be right back with a couple of parting thoughts for you right after this. Just a few plugs for myself and others before I go. Immaculate Reflections to, uh, this goes out to my fellow future Model 3 owners, detailing, protecting that beautiful new Model 3. If you are in the Bay Area or picking up your Tesla Model 3 in the Bay Area, please look up Immaculate Reflections if you're interested in any or all of the following services. There's new car delivery prep. There's Seacourt's finest ceramic coating, Uh, that you can put over the paint. There is paint protection film. There is paint correction. There is all kinds of stuff you can do. uh, You can can do a little or you can go totally nuts and protect the heck out of that thing. Any of it is is a good thing to do. Um, I I am definitely planning to, to do a full film, the clear film wrap on at least, the paint protection film on at least up to the hood because I've probably said this before, my, my Infinity, my 12-year-old Infinity, I did, that was like right when, when uh, of course, back then they were just clear bras. That's when, right when they were coming into Vogue, and I only did what was kind of the standard then, which was just like the front third of the, of the car, just like the nose and like a third of the way up the hood. And I have so many rock chips up the rest of the hood. It just makes me insane to look at that car. I mean, I've had them filled in with the, you know, factory paint at the dealer over the years, but oh, I hate it. it's a huge regret not doing at least the whole hood of the car. I'm not making that same mistake again with my Model 3, especially with just, you know, it's all it's nothing but paint up there. Anyway, irdetailing.com if you want to learn more about Immaculate Reflections. You can also look them up on Yelp or Instagram at uh, those, those, that website slash immaculate underscore reflections. Patreon. I have a Patreon for this podcast. If you're uh, interested in possibly supporting my efforts here, I would be mighty grateful if you just take a look at the Patreon page. You can find it at patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. I want to give an extra special thanks to the newest Patreon producer. These are the the kind folks supporting me at the $20 level or higher each month. Uh, And they get their name read each week, as well as the bonus episode every month, the early access, the whole nine yards that I've got up there for folks. And Luke from Indiana, thank you so much for supporting, for uh, jumping on the Patreon producer bandwagon this week. And to the rest of the Patreon producers, thank you. They are Jeff Bartram, Paul Hussey, DJ Harbaugh, Pete White, Wolfgang Obergen, George Cassiopo, David Brander, Jonathan Wales, Alexi Heft, Lisa Kaz, Michael Oprey, Logan Willis, Matthew Parra, Michael Lester, Robert Merkel, John Lasher, Jason Chalukas, Emotion Rentals, Richard Ouellette, Sean Fournier, Tim Hyde, Marcus Mayenschein, Lee Sweet, Lars Hoffman, Orion Coates, Peter Chalet, Harold Plug, Kenneth Martin, Michael Callahan, Rome Strack, David Vakil, and Ulrich Lassa. Thank you all so much. You can also visit abstractocean.com for a discount on Tesla accessories for either your car and or yourself. The puddle lights are their big, cool new thing. I'm definitely, I'm leaning towards doing the, uh, the original, either the three, the original three horizontal line Model 3 logo or the Tesla T. I'm not, I definitely want to do puddle lights from Abstract Ocean. I'm just not sure which. They've got, they've got the S logo, the X logo, the Tesla T, the, the Arabic numeral three, and then the, you know, the three horizontal bars Model 3. They've got any of those you want to do. I guess technically, 
I mean, if you wanted to double up, you could put one in each side of the car. But anyway, check out abstractocean.com. And that discount that I mentioned, it's 20% off of your first order with Abstract Ocean. All you got to do is put in the coupon code RTLPODCAST. Put that in at checkout. That's RTLPODCAST, all one word. Most of you subscribe to the podcast already, I hope, because then it's automatically downloaded to you each week. But if you don't already subscribe, you can do so on your favorite podcast service. I'm on most of them, including iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, or there's the hosting site that I've got where you can find individual episode downloads or streams as well as the RSS feed. Head to teslapodcast.libsyn.com for that. You can also follow me on Twitter if you're on there and you want to keep track of what I'm up to. I'm at DMC underscore Ryan. For a, wow, Daisy looks very comfortable over there. I'm actually kind of jealous, I have to admit. All right, I'm going to get this thing mixed, edited, and posted so that it can get into your ears ASAP if you're a Patreon backer uh, who gets the early access for everybody else. Of course, it's fed to you every Sunday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time. Thank you all so much for giving me another hour-plus of your time each and every week. Time is valuable. We cannot buy more. And so uh, you entrusting me with some of that valuable time every week to catch you up on the world of Tesla is not, it's not a thing that I take for granted. Thank you all so, so much. And I will see you back here next week.